Holy Spirit, move in this room. Less of me and more of you, God. None of me and all of you, God. Speak your words. Touch hearts, change minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. <laughs> it's funny, we, we have those moments sometimes, and you'll hear the kids' church music, or they all start screaming, or somebody will inevitably have an asthma attack, or <laughs> a water bottle will get to creaking and crackling, whatever it is, and people are like, hey, shh. Like, no, 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 this isn't that. <laughs> it's not library. This is a moment for you to be quiet. Quiet yourself. Cut yourself off from that noise and focus in on what God is trying to do and what he's trying to say to you in this moment. That's what that moment is for. And tonight, the title of my message is Hevel. Everybody say Hevel. The title of my message is Hevel. And the word Hevel, it's coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I know a lot of people don't like to preach Ecclesiastes because a lot of people view that book as depressing, right? Solomon writes the book, and he says that everything is meaningless. And he goes through it, man. He goes through every single thing you could possibly do in your life, from your career, your vacations, your finances, your kids. He goes through it all. He's like, oh, you want to hike up a mountain? Meaningless. You want to build a beautiful house? Meaningless. You think your, your worship is good? Meaningless. He goes through all of it, and he says it is meaningless. And when you translate that word from Hebrew to English, it's meaningless translates to hevel. And what that word is actually meaning is something that is vapor and smoke. It literally translates to chasing after the wind. Chasing after something that's not there, trying to grab onto something that you see in front of you, but when you grab onto it, it's nothing. When you hold on to it, it's nothing. And I understand that Ecclesiastes can be looked at as depressing and sad, but in reality, it's not. It's very sobering wisdom and understanding, and it points out the fact that a life without faith a life without a relationship with our Lord and Savior, a life without faith rooted in him is hevel. It's chasing after the wind. It's nothing. It means nothing. It's meaningless. And as much as that sounds hard and against how we think and what we believe sometimes when we accomplish great things, it's the truth. We have to always root everything in this. We have to root everything in this word. We have to root everything and run it through the filter of Jesus. Otherwise, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. And I'm sorry to tell you that, but we always have to change our minds and our perspective to align with this idea that we are not going to be able to have purpose. We're not going to be able to have peace. We're not going to be able to be fulfilled except through the Holy Spirit except through Jesus, except through faith and reliance upon him. 
except for understanding that we have to be dependent upon him. I love King David. When we read through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, he was a man after God's heart. And it said that David inquired of God in everything that he did. He didn't care if it was a battle that it looked like he could win. He didn't care if the situation was something that he looked at as routine. He said, God, what do you think? No matter what it was, he understood. He said, God, I need to talk to you before I do anything. Even if I think it's honoring to you, I need to talk to you before I do it. Even if I think it's pleasing to you, let me talk to you. What do you think about me building this temple for you? What do you think about me going and attacking these enemies? Is it your will or is it my idea? He was constantly checking. He was constantly understanding that I don't want to live a life of Hevel, chasing after the vapor of this world, chasing after the smoke of this world, living a life that's meaningless. And it's so opposite of what we are taught. It's so opposite of the way we are taught to live, specifically in our country, because they tell us to chase after these things. They say, chase after your career. Do whatever you can to get ahead. Spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours working. Do whatever it is that it takes to get to the top. It says, chase after knowledge. Spend and go into as much debt as you possibly need to, to chase after knowledge. Chase after social status. Climb the ladder. Cut people off. Treat people as bad as you need to be at the top of your friend group, of your circle. Gossip about whoever it takes to get there relationships, get married, have kids, do all of these things. And I love the book of Ecclesiastes because Solomon shows us that seeking purpose outside of faith is hevel. Seeking purpose outside of faith is hevel. You're chasing after the wind. Because it's great to have a career. I'm not saying you shouldn't. It's great to have amazing relationships. It's great to have knowledge. It's great to have all of these things, have status. It's awesome. But if it is not in alignment and through the filter of what God has for you, if it's not in alignment and through the filter of what Jesus is telling you to do, then you'll never find purpose in it. And you can sit there and disagree all you want, but you see people at the top of the industries in their career who are meaningless, Their lives are meaningless. They run around trying to fill their hearts and fill this void with a million different things. We see millionaires committing suicide. And we can't sit here and act like we haven't looked at those people and been like, why? Why would you kill yourself if you had all that money? If I had all that money, I would just be sitting there happy. But no, you wouldn't. Because if it's outside of the will of God, if it's not in his perfect will, if you're seeking purpose in these things, Without him, then you're going to go and try to grab onto it, and it's not going to hold you. You're going to go and look for a foundation that's made of smoke. It's empty. There's a void there. And so I understand that the idea can seem depressing that everything is meaningless, but it truly is if you don't have a life rooted in faith. If you don't have a life rooted in him, it is meaningless. And so we have to understand that we need to lean into the mystery of life, but trust and listen to him. You won't be in control. 
You're not going to be able to control everything. You're not going to be able to control the outcomes. But you lean into that and say, I don't need to. What I can control is my offering unto him. What I can control is my obedience unto him, my posture of my heart when I step into his presence. I can control that. And as long as I'm doing that, as long as I'm rooted in him, as long as I'm inquiring of him, making sure I'm in alignment with him, then I don't have to worry about all this other stuff. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And it's sad to see Christians proclaiming Christians. I talked about it last week, fans of this Bible, not followers of Christ. It's sad to see Christians that are living in heaven, chasing after all the things of this world, coming into this room, worshiping, singing the songs, but going out and living a life in bondage, going out and living a life filled with sin, It breaks my heart to see. It distorts the perspective of the generations that are coming after you as well. We get caught up in this hevel and we have to break it, church. And so tonight, we have to understand that faith in him fills the void. It allows us to have peace and to be content and have purpose. And so the verse I want to look at tonight, it's actually the, the chapter, is Ecclesiastes 5. So, If you brought your Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes 5. That's where we're going to stay. We're not going nowhere else. If not, I have these beautiful scriptures on the screen for you, so you don't got to worry. But Ecclesiastes 5 is where we're going to stay tonight. And I love what what Solomon wrote here because it really shows us the posture we are to take when we step into this house. When we step into the sanctuary, when we come to these services, it teaches us what needs to happen. It teaches us how our hearts should be, how we should act, how we should live, how we should enter before the Lord and worship him. Not rooted in some chasing the wind or some smoke, but rooted in him so that our vow can be fulfilled and filled with purpose. Does anybody want that tonight? Okay. <laughs> So Ecclesiastes, I keep calling it Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 5.1, it says, guard your heart or guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Guard your heart when you come into this house, when you come into these services, when you step into the Lord's presence in your time of word and worship daily. Come before him lowly and humble. Come before him understanding that he sits on the throne, not you. Understanding that he is the only one who can make things grow. He's the only one that can give purpose. He's the only one that can give life. Come before him and stand humbly. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom. When we are poor in spirit, when we come before the Lord with a lowly posture and say, God, here is your servant. 
Here I am. We sang it up there tonight. It was beautiful. Here I am, God. Do what you want to do. We have to understand that when we enter into this kingdom, when we enter into this temple and do that, the Lord's eyes look at you and say, there's my servant. There's my servant. They're not coming before me haughty like, oh, I know what I need. I know what to do. This is my stuff. No, no, no. They come before me humble. And it says, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Offer your full heart and attention. Offer your first fruits. We see, and you might look at it, that verse and say, okay, what is the, what is the worship of, or what is the sacrifice of fools? What's the sacrifice of fools, God? I don't want to come into your, into your temple. I don't want to enter into your temple, into your court, into this sanctuary and worship with the sacrifice of fools. I don't think anybody in here would want that to be their presentation to God, right? No, (laughs) not me. I don't want to come in here and offer the sacrifice of fools. And what God showed me, and this kind of connects to some other stuff I've been reading, but he showed me the sacrifice of fools is withholding from God. We see Cain and Abel in Genesis offering their first, either the first of their harvest or what Cain offered, which wasn't his best, right? We We see Abel give his best, but we see Cain withhold from the Lord. We see Cain focus on self-preservation instead of giving his all. It's a sacrifice of fools. I love in 1 Samuel, we see King Saul. He conquers one of his enemies, and the Lord told him through the prophet, he said, through Samuel, he told him, he said, hey, when you win this battle, destroy everything. Kill everyone, burn everything, destroy it all. And Samuel comes to Saul and he says, uh, what is all this cattle doing here after you won this battle? Why do you have this cattle? Why do you have these calves here? And Saul says to him, he said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm being obedient to God. I want to I sacrifice this cattle to him. I'm going to sacrifice this to God. You don't have to worry about it. I'm being obedient. And Samuel says, uh-uh, no, I don't think so. And he says to Saul, it's better to be obedient than to sacrifice. It's better to be obedient than to sacrifice. It's better for you to listen to what the Lord said and do exactly as he said than to think that for some reason he needs you to make a sacrifice. He doesn't need your sacrifice. To think that the creator of this universe needs you to sacrifice something for him when he told you to do something else is ridiculous. He needs you to be obedient. That is the offering of fools to think that your sacrifice is more important than your obedience. So church, we have to embody that. We have to embody that and say, I want my sacrifice to be pure. I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to be obedient to the Lord. And when there's a need, I want to go and be obedient and fill it. We shouldn't have to come up here and dance and sing to try to get kids' church volunteers while there's a line of people trying to preach and sing a song. I don't need that sacrifice. The Lord doesn't need that sacrifice. Thank you, but be obedient. There's a need. Fill it. Be obedient. I don't need your pretty sermon. It's meaningless. That's Hevel. Keep it. 
That's the sacrifice of fools that he's talking about. We can't bribe God with our sacrifice to gain his favor. We cannot bribe God with our sacrifice to gain his favor. Thinking that we can step into this room and say, God, what do I need to do to get blessed? How many songs do I need to sing? How high do I need to lift my hands? How many times do I have to attend church to be in your good graces? We can't bribe him with our sacrifice. It means nothing. That's the sacrifice of fools. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in this place where I was very busy. We had holidays. Everybody was going through it. Tons of holidays, tons of parties, things going on. It's wonderful. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> and I found myself missing the time that I had previously spent in God's word. I found myself missing the time I had previously spent reading God's word. I had gotten into this amazing habit and have since gotten back into it. But I got into this amazing habit of not doing anything until I read the word. So I didn't pick up my phone. I didn't go run to the TV, make breakfast, none of those things before I read my word. And I had gotten to this habit with it where I was doing it consistently for two months. But when the holidays hit, you know, nights start to get later. Holiday parties happen. Things that you have to get to start to accumulate during the day. And so you find yourself waking up a little bit later. You find yourself tired and you find yourself filled with things to do. And I found that my routine had been broken. That time of just spending with God, giving my pure first fruits to him, giving my full attention to him was not what it used to be. And I preached that week when that was going on and I came up on this stage and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I preached my message and it didn't feel right. I found that the only time I read my word that week was to prepare for a message. And the Lord spoke to me in a very convicting way. And he said, I'm not your cookbook. I'm not your cookbook. So you don't get to open me up and use me to bake a cake for everybody whenever you feel like it's necessary. So you don't get to open this up and make a recipe that'll sound good to everybody in this room. If you treat me like that, I'm leaving. If you treat me like that, I'm out. You'll go up there and you'll give Christian motivational speeches. Void of the anointing of heaven. And I say, God, I'm so sorry. I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. In church, we have to understand that we cannot bribe God. We can't bribe God with our sacrifice. We can't bribe God with just a little bit of our time. Because that's what our country has come to. That's what the modern Christian looks like in America. What do I need to do? How much do I need to give? What does this cost? Two and a half times on average per month, the average church attendance. Give once a month, serve never. How much do I have to give? Do I need to read one Bible verse a day to be blessed, sing a worship song in my car? 
not cuss somebody out when they cut me off? How much do I need to give? We've adopted this mentality of what do I need to do to get what I want in the presence of God? What do I need to do to get what I want? What's the recipe? What's the recipe for a great message? And unfortunately, many of us, not the people on Wednesday night, because nobody comes to midweek services. You people are different. Y'all are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're anointed. You're willing to sacrifice. The Hummers drove here from an hour away to be here tonight. It's not a joke. It's serious. But unfortunately, a lot of us have gotten to this place where we want this microwavable Christianity. Say, God, give it to me as quickly as you can, as fast as you can. I don't want to sacrifice anything. I want the Christianity I can just throw up on my YouTube channel and listen from the convenience of wherever I'm at that has no obedience in it, no accountability in it, no sacrifice in it. That's the Christianity I want. I need instant gratification. It's Hevel. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus said that. These people don't even know me. They don't know me. We go on Ecclesiastes 5, 2. I love this part. It says, do not be quick with your mouth and do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Be quiet and listen. Be quiet and listen to what he has, not what you want. Sometimes we drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit with our own words. I know I have. I've come into this altar plenty of times before. Say, oh, God, I need $300 or I'm going to go negative in my bank account right now. Jesus, I need help. Right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> we drown out what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us to do because we come and sit up here like it's Santa's lap and read off of our list of needs and what we need and what we need and what we know we need saying that we even know what we need. We sit in front of him and we drown out the words that he's trying to say to us. That word there in the verse, it says, do not be hasty in your heart. In Hebrew, heart is leb. And it literally is, is pointing leb in our, in our heart to our thoughts, in our words, in the words that flow from the abundance of our heart. And so when we read that, we say we don't need to be hasty with our hearts to try to speak to God and make him understand what we need. A lot of times we have to erase this mentality of let me go explain to God what's going on. God doesn't need your explanation. He doesn't need you to explain what's going on. He doesn't need you to explain your struggle. And he most definitely does not need you to explain what you need. What we have to understand is that when we present our heart, when we present that leb, when we allow our words to flow, they need to be words of requesting alignment with heaven. They need to be words of saying, God, I need to see with the perspective of heaven. 
I need to see with the perspective of heaven because from down here, when we look at skyscrapers, when we look at cities, they look massive. But what happens when you go up in an airplane over top of a city? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So how dare we as humans sit down here before God and tell him what we need? That's why when we worship, we need to sing songs that exalt him. We don't need to sing songs about how sad we are and how broken we are. We don't need to sing songs about what we need. How dare we? Lord, we repent. You don't prescribe yourself medicine, then take it. We, call, we have a name for those people that do that. It's not something we glorify. Lord, we repent for even thinking we have the audacity to tell you what we need. When we come to this altar, when we come before him, we have to come with the posture that says, Lord, I'm aligning with you. Take everything. Take everything that I have. We don't know what's best. We don't know what is best. I give it to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm giving it all to you, God. My words are few. I come before you quiet. I want you to look at somebody and say, God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. <laughs> look at the other person on the other side and say, God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. <laughs> Don't come in here telling God what he needs to do. He's in heaven. You're on earth. You're worshiping him. He's not worshiping you. We yield to him. He doesn't yield to us. We come before him humble and say, God, align us with what your will is. Align us with your kingdom, God. Tell us what your word is wanting us to do, Jesus. And we do that daily go on to three it says a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool Woo. a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool in job thirty-three fourteen. He talks about how the Holy Spirit speaks and how the Lord speaks to people. And he says that God speaks and he speaks and he tries to get people's attention. But they're so busy that they don't hear. They miss it. They don't pay attention. They're busy with the tasks of the day. So they're not able to hear what the Lord is trying to say. And he says that he speaks in dreams when you finally lay down and close your eyes. He says, when you finally clear your heart and your mind of everything that you're so busy with, that's when he speaks to you through dreams. Because you didn't listen when he screamed at you 15 times throughout the day. You didn't listen when he was trying to talk to you when you were at work or driving in your car or getting to every single thing that's on your schedule that you packed yourself full of. You weren't able to hear then. And so when we reference it with this verse, we see the word it says that a dream comes when there are many cares. That's what he's talking about. A dream comes when there are many cares. And many cares can be translated in the Hebrew to inyan. Everybody say inyan. 
Inyan, and Inyan translates to many cares or tasks, everyday business. Everyday business. And when we reference it with this verse, what it's saying is that we need to understand that we have to pay attention in everyday business. We have to pay attention when there are many tasks. We have to pay attention because it says a dream comes when there are many cares. We have to pay attention in our inyan. When we're going to work, when we're going to these appointments, when we're going to these dinner parties, when we're hanging out, when we're doing these things, when you're getting your kids to your sports, you have to pay attention. God shouldn't have to speak to you only when you're sleeping because you couldn't listen. We have to fill our hearts and understand that our posture is to want to hear his voice continuously. To be so in sync with him that it doesn't matter if we're at work or standing up here at this altar worshiping him. We can hear his voice. It goes on to say many, in many words mark the speech of a fool. Many words mark the speech of a fool. Everybody's heard the phrase, talk is cheap, right? (laughs) Talk is cheap. Talking about it. Singing about it. And then not doing it. It's hevel. It's hevel. It's the worship of fools. It's the sacrifice of fools. Coming here and speaking about this word, singing these amazing songs unto the Lord, saying all of these things but not able to walk out and do it. It's hevel. You're grasping, you're chasing after the wind. You're trying to grasp at vapor and smoke that's not there. We have to take the words that we have and make them meaningful. We have to take the vows that we make in covenant here in this place and say, Lord, I'm standing on your firm foundation. I'm trusting you. I'm leaning not on my own understanding. I'm leaning upon your word. And when we do that, we have to go and apply those words that we spoke to our inyan. And when we apply it to our inyan, it gets purpose. It brings meaning to our everyday tasks. Because the reality is, is that if we don't, it's hevel. It's just you going to your job. It's just you reading a book. It's just you going to hang out with friends. It's you going to have a holiday party, whatever it is. It's meaningless. It's what Ecclesiastes is talking about. That's what makes it meaningless. When we don't apply the Holy Spirit to our everyday tasks, our everyday business. That's what makes it meaningless. And I'm sorry to call it that, but it's the truth. When we don't apply the Holy Spirit to our worship, when we don't apply the Holy Spirit to our word, to our daily walk, it's meaningless. It loses its substance. And we have to understand that. We have to have a concentrated effort. We go on to verse uh, four. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. When you make a covenant with God, don't wait. Don't wait. When you say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. 
And then he puts an opportunity for you to give. He puts an opportunity in front of you to serve. You say, oh, I need to pray about it. Uh-uh. Don't present the sacrifice of fools. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Verse 5 says, it is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Don't let your mouth lead you into sin. Jesus in, in Matthew 15, 10, he talks about it. He says, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. It's what flows from that lead, what flows from that heart that defiles you. So don't let your mouth lead you into sin. Don't speak slander. Don't speak gossip. Don't curse. Don't speak evil. Don't offer up these fake sacrifices to him. And I love this part. And do not, and do not protest the temple messenger. That's me. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Saying, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? And finally, in verse 7, it says, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. I want to invite everyone to stand tonight. As we get ready to close and as we get ready to move forward from this night, I want to challenge every person in this room not to live a life full of hevel, not to live a life filled with words and not the inyan, the daily business. We have to apply this word to our inyan. We have to apply this word in the presence of God to every single thing we do. Every single thing we try our hand at, everything that we give our time to, everything we give our attention to, if it doesn't flow through the filter of him, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. This is what gives purpose. This is what gives life. His sacrifice that he made is the only thing that matters. And so tonight, with every eye closed just for a moment, if you've never called upon the name of Jesus before, if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you this opportunity first and foremost. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or do anything crazy, but I just want you to speak this prayer out. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me new. Lord, I want to live a life unto you. I want to live a life that brings you glory. Lord, I submit. I yield to you. 
come into my heart and never leave me. Amen. And what I want to do now is I just want to read again Ecclesiastes 5 for us. And you can keep your eyes closed if you want to. You can, whatever you need to do right now. But I want you to hear these words. And as you hear these words, I want you to bury them in your heart. Bury them in your heart. I just want to read these and pray over you. Ecclesiastes 5 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest the temple messenger saying, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. So Jesus, we come before you tonight. We come before you tonight. And we say we step before you lowly and humble, God. Not with words of our own. Not with the sacrifice of fools. We say, Lord, we are here to be obedient. We are here to be obedient to whatever you would have us do. We're not here to show off. Jesus, we come before you quiet. Align every heart in this room. Give us the perspective of heaven. Give us the perspective of heaven, Jesus. We repent for coming before you with a list of things that you need to do. We repent forever trying to tell you what we need. Jesus, you are all we need. Lord, I ask that you would give the focus and the energy to be extremely, extremely keyed in and locked in with you, God. To make a concentrated effort to apply your, our faith in your words to our everyday tasks. Lord, we give you our inyan. And we say, be a part of our everyday. Be a part of our career pursuits, God. Be a part of our knowledge that we are trying to gain. Be a part of our social circles, God. Be a part of our families, Jesus. Be a part of our children's lives. 
as we raise them, not for the glory of this world, but for the glory of heaven. Because without you, it's heaven. Without you, without your presence, it's meaningless. Allow us to live a life of purpose, God. Lord, we lay it down at your feet. We give it all to you, God. And we trust that you will make something beautiful out of our lives. Jesus, I thank you for your presence and I thank you for your words, Lord. sing that out can we sing we give it all to you our sacrifice, Lord, our trust, our faith, our attention, we pay it all to you. We say, I will trust you. your heart's praying. I will trust you. I will trust you, God. I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you, God. I will trust you. 
Jesus. Allow our worship to be pure, God. Allow us to give you our first fruits and allow our obedience to be edifying unto you. We approach you not hastily, not with a heart full of words, but humble and quiet we come before you every single day. So here we are, Jesus. <laughs> Take this undeserving life that you died for and make something beautiful out of it. Not just speak purpose and life over every person in this room. Fill their life with the anointing of heaven to make even the mundane so anointed and full of purpose as they go to work, as they go home and to their families tonight. Allow them to carry the anointing of heaven that makes every single word that they speak filled with purpose. Every step that they take filled with purpose, Jesus. So that when they look back over their lives, there's not even an ounce of hevel in it. <laughs> that they can walk in knowing that their life means something because they are walking in obedience to you. I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, every single person in here. If you want to take time, feel free. Come up to the altar, spend some time with Jesus. Otherwise, live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I'll see you guys on Sunday. Thank you.